I remember when I was little and my aunt used to always tease me and say I sounded like Daffy Duck. And because <laughs> I would say ferial, I would talk with my tongue outside my teeth and it used to frustrate me so much that I would overemphasize like now where my tongue is inside my mouth. But I'm like, Shh. I would almost say Shh, cereal like that. But I still can't get used to the sound of my own voice. And I know it's yeah. it's crazy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining hey. us today. Today I'm here with Devin Elise Wilson. Devin is the founder of Love Profound. Devin, yes. how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so thankful that you were able to join us today. We talked a while ago. Yes. Um, <laughs> So I didn't realize this right away, but I saw you on a YouTube video with Laureen HD and yes. I didn't know it was you right away. And <laughs> recently someone had reached out about a support group in the New York area. And so I reached out to Laureen and just asked if she was connected to anyone in New York and she gave me your name and I saw your Instagram and I was like, whoa, hold on. This look, <laughs> she looks familiar. And then I saw like a clip of the video. Yes, so uh, almost immediately I was like, hey, you want to be on a podcast? <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I want to get more of us on here who are open about their status because I do believe that that is helping other people see, oh, okay, you know, it is possible to live a fulfilling life despite yes. having an STI positive diagnosis. And you are the founder of your own company. So can you tell us a little bit about that? What is your company? What's Love Profound? Love Profound has a couple different parts. The meetup group is in New York City. It's based there. We meet about once a month, and it's open to men, women, LGBTQ, anyone who is struggling with the shame of this diagnosis. And I created it out of a want to have a space for people to come and know that they're not alone. And I wanted it to feel warm and less like the stereotypical support group. So we have wine and we have music, everyone brings snacks, and it's just like a very open sort of space where you know that everyone's dealing with the same thing, but it doesn't feel very uh, clinical. Right. It's not like, hi, I'm Courtney. Yes. Hi, hi Courtney. I'm Courtney. I'm HSV positive. <laughs> How does that make you feel? Right. <laughs> None of that. If you want to talk, you can. If you don't and you want to just listen, you can. It's for you. It's for the people to get what they are looking for, which mostly is community and connection and knowing that they're not the only ones going through this thing. And then I found myself in a community of life coaches and realized, wow, I could help a lot of people the way I wish I could have been helped when I was going through my diagnosis in the beginning. And how and long so, have you been diagnosed? Three years. Okay. Just over three years. Mm-hmm. So uh, I started coaching women around self-acceptance mostly, self-love, forgiveness, just working through a lot of the trauma and effects of the shame and the stigma and what, you know, just what it's like to be HSV positive today. So yeah, it's been really great. What does helping these women look like? What does a life coach do? So a life coach, the way that I like the quickest way that I describe it to people is I am the passenger to your driver. I am, you know, your co-pilot. You tell me where you want to go and I'll help get you there. So if 
someone comes to me and they're like, I just feel so stuck. I can't accept this. I just want to be able to be open in my life with my friends and family. Then we'll talk about what that looks like for them, what they're hoping to gain from it, and give them practical steps toward getting there. I tell people, like, I am not here to guilt you into anything. I am literally here to help you get to where you want to. So if you, whatever it is that you want, I will help, but I'm not going to, you know, sit here and give you things like a teacher of like, you have to do this next and this is what you have to do. I don't give advice. I just help. Okay. Was it the meetup groups that you started that led you into this or vice versa? All of this actually started with, I did a personal transformation sort of workshop. It's called Landmark. And I had never shared about my diagnosis before, but I went there, got up in front of about 160 strangers and decided I've got to change something. I'm tired of hiding. And so I said, I have herpes in front of all these people. And I couldn't tell you what else happened when I was up on the stage. Like the woman running the workshop was talking to me and saying things. I was so scared and nervous and shaky. Like, I don't know what she said to me, but afterward, a guy came up to me and he said, I was just recently diagnosed. And when you said that up there, my jaw dropped. And he was the first person I'd ever met that was herpes positive. And the only reason he came up to me is because I shared. And then later that same weekend, another woman came up to me and said she'd had it for 13 years and hadn't told anyone before. And so I realized just from that weekend, like, if I want to feel less alone, if I want to find people, maybe I just have to talk about it. So that guy that I met, the first guy that I had met who was also herpes positive, we kind of just chatted back and forth. And I was like, I want to have a space, like a brick and mortar. I want to have a space where people can come. I don't know what it looks like, but I want a space. And he was like, well, what about a meetup? So that came from him. And he actually, because I am on the West Coast now in California, he actually runs the meetup for me now in New York. So that's been really great. So, uh, And then Landmark is very much based on growth and coaching. And so that's part of where I um, learned a lot about that. And how can people get in contact with these meetup groups in New York? So you can either join join our group on Meetup, just search Love Profound, and we have all the tags like HSV, STI, mental health, wellness, all that stuff. Or you can send us an email at loveprofound at gmail.com, and I'll put you on a private email list I send out when we have our next meetups to that list as well. And it's kind of incognito, so it's not like it's named herpes group or anything like that. So people can safely seek out and find this particular support group on their own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Are you finding that the community spaces that you are creating are helpful in healing? Oh, for sure. They've been helpful in healing for me. And I have people who come every month to the meetup, who come every once in a while, who've just come once, who have only joined the group and haven't really been yet, say, this has changed my life. I feel so seen. Thank you so much for creating this. And so that's the stuff that makes all of this really worthwhile. You know, like even after I first came out about it, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? You Google my name, there's just herpes everywhere. (laughs) And and then, you know, you hear the stories from other people and it's just like, oh, okay, this is what I've done. Yeah. This This is why I've done this. And how long ago was it between when you were diagnosed and mm-hmm. when you decided to open up about having herpes? Good year and a half. Oh, so it took a year and a half? It took a good year and a half, yes. Do you um, remember anything from that time frame? Like, so you're diagnosed with herpes, now what? Now, the hell what? I was diagnosed and I was texting my best friend while I was in urgent care. So she's been in this with me from the very beginning. 
And then throughout the next couple of months, I told two other of my good friends, and that was it for the whole year and a half. They were the only three who knew. And they also were not in New York City with me. So um, I felt very isolated. And then on top of that, my gifter was not someone that I really knew. And so I told him about it. I called him, let him know, like, hey, you should probably get checked out, what have you. And then we didn't talk for a little while. And then he called me after a few weeks and was like, hey, I still want to see you, whatever. And so we ended up, I wouldn't call it necessarily dating, spending time together for a good few months. And mostly for me, out of comfort level sort of thing, right? Like knowing that this person knew about me, but still wanted to spend time with me. So a lot of this sitting in the who am I and what am I worth, but this person still wants to hang out with me. So, okay, maybe. And then it was just a lot of pretending that everything was fine. So with family and friends who would check in on me, going to work, going to the bathroom to cry if I had to, and still trying to keep it together. Mm -hmm. So it's just a lot of turmoil emotionally that I just was unprepared for. Like, you hear about STDs and whatever, and you know about the risks, but I had no idea how it would hit my emotions. So that was rough. Yeah. And what led to you taking the steps to finally doing something about it? Like going to see what the issues were and then tackling them. What was the final straw slash breaking point? Mm, There was just a moment where I was like, I want my life back. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I just, I want my life back. Before that, it was just like, go to work, come home, eat food, put a TV show on, fall asleep try not to fall asleep crying, you know, like go through the motions of survival of trying to get through everything because I really felt like my identity took a hit. And then I just was like, I'm tired of crying myself to sleep. I'm tired of feeling worthless because I know I'm fucking awesome. So what can I do about it? So I stopped hibernating. I actually joined a couple of meetup groups that involved singing, which is one of my favorite things to do, musical theater actually. And that got me out socially. I realized that in order to fully accept this thing that was happening to me, I needed to be open about it. And so that's what led me to the landmark. What gave you the courage, though? Like, (laughs) I I know it's when you're in that space, it's so challenging to get out. And I'm asking this specifically because there have been people I've been talking to lately about this who find that they just can't. They they literally just can't anything and with the herpes diagnosis yeah they haven't even given it a chance for them to understand what it means for them it's like oh shit i'm positive no i don't have outbreaks no i haven't had any outbreaks but i'm gonna immediately jump on the medication and i gotta find somebody today who has the same type of herpes as me Mm -hmm. which is a whole other issue to tackle but we can say that for another time but (laughs) how do we get people to understand that the diagnosis itself doesn't change who you are it's your reaction if that Mm. makes sense yeah for me i got the courage because i mean i was scared shitless right i got up there was holding the mic shaking just like what am i doing up here i even i started i was like i'm dealing with this like medical infection thing and it's been really and the coach was like you're gonna have to actually tell me what it's what's going on in order for us to work through it the fear was there but i was tired of living my life the way that it was going And ultimately, like, if your life isn't working the way that you've been doing it, then you have to make a new choice. Got to change something. And so I had been hiding and hiding and hiding. And the opposite of hiding was being out there. And so I decided I'm just going to do this. And if this doesn't work in this space, it's, you know, fairly open to growth and non-judgmental. And it's a bunch of strangers. I'll never see them again. If this doesn't work, it doesn't work. But it did. And it was great. Just having that experience is what gave me the courage to do what I do now. 
mm-hmm. that kind of just catapulted me into everything. And your second question was, how do we get people to see that they are not the virus, right? That it doesn't define them. It was something along the lines of that. Uh, <laughs> it was, how <laughs> sure. do you think we get people to respond differently? Because what happens is there's already this stigma and there's no need for us to ever explore it, learn about it or anything. But we already have an idea of what it means to have an STI, what it means specifically to have herpes. And then we're right. told we have herpes and it's like, bam, all of that now comes flooding in. Everything that I've heard about herpes has been negative. This is an STD. Right. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants to get it. Nobody wants to be with anyone who has it. And now all Everything of a sudden, Vegas, but... there you go. <laughs> and so how can we get it to where people don't have that subconscious perception of what the stigma of herpes is? And we can replace that with, okay, this is what herpes actually is. I honestly believe that the, not the only way, but that most significant way to do that would just be for everyone who has it to talk about it. And not to talk about it, like blast it from YouTube or a podcast or what have you, but just talk about it so that the face of herpes isn't one night stands and promiscuous Vegas and all those things. The face of herpes is literally everyone because it doesn't choose people based on anything, right? <laughs> Not at all. And so I think the only way for herpes to become more uh, multifaceted, multidimensional, whatever word you want to use, is for us to tell our stories. I've spoken to people, I was a virgin and this was the first time and I used a condom and this happened. You did everything or, right, yep. Right, I did everything right and this happened. Or like, I've had one night stands my whole life and 20 years nothing and then this happened. And there, there's so many different types of people and herpes does not care who you are, it's just there. And I think that's the thing that we as a society don't know and we don't know it because those of us who have it are hiding. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost like it's on a binary scale of I don't know I have it and then I have it. So you're, 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 you're at one end of the spectrum and everything in between you get one side or the other when you're met with the opposition. So it's like, oh, you know, Hey, if somebody with herpes comes to you and they're talking to you about it, you know, you're going to be on one side of the fence of, okay, well not the fence, but in all that gray area in between your response is 100% going to be based on how that person comes at you what that person feels about herpes is what you're going to feel about herpes so if you're someone who's on that scale in the middle and you're met by someone who doesn't know they have herpes and they're asking hey you know here's a conversation we need to obviously have about stis before we engage in our consensual sexual encounter let's talk and then all of a sudden you know you go and get tested because of that or well and that's such a rare occasion i can't think of anyone who has gotten tested with a partner before they had sex and it's it's ridiculous (laughs) but i i say that to say this like there's this whole gray area that there are so many people who live in in between i don't know i don't have it and i have it Those are the people who really make the difference about the perception of herpes or any STI, really. And it's just how much do those people know? How safe are these people being? How educated are they? When someone who has an STI comes to them and tells them, how are they responding to this? Are they responding in a way that discourages the person from disclosing to future partners? Are they responding in a way that is, well, shit, do they ghost? (laughs) Do they, what, what are people doing? And I think that from my perspective, my experience, one thing that we can do is get that gray area involved. So 
it's just like you said, for the people who are educating, I think that the more people who know you as a person is living with this and you will have yeah. all this other good, all these other good qualities or positive qualities about yourself that they can say, despite having herpes, Devin's still a good person. And this is someone I know who has herpes. So when I encounter someone who talks shit about somebody with herpes, or it's like, oh, I'm not right. messing with that person. They have herpes. You can say, oh, what's that supposed to mean? And now right. we've created advocates out of that gray area that can support us in our absence when there is some level of ignorance or from coming from that scale of, I don't know what my status is. Right. It's like, it's like flushing out a network, right? So um, it reminds me of, I recently wrote a blog post about the women's rights movement and civil rights movement. And when um, LGBTQ, um, when they started coming out in a very big way, right? And they, everyone was fighting stigma and fighting fear of not being uh, good enough or not being the same as the, you know, the groups that are more accepted. And they were afraid in the beginning, but they did what they had to do, right? And so it's sort of like that. We are afraid and we are, you know, we know each other and we have groups, hidden groups that we meet up with and where we can talk amongst each other. But I think it's coming to a point where we really need to start creating advocates, painting a larger picture of what our lives are like um, so that everybody else can see we're not just the butt of a joke, right? Um, and what sexual education looks like and what the emotions look like and, and really reach, uh, is it still one in six, the one in six people that are out there and however many of them are feeling so, you know, down and alone and don't know where to turn. Yeah. So the more, the more that we talk about it, even if it's just one person talking to their partner or talking to their mom or friend or coworker, whatever it is, the more of a human face this thing has. I wrote this song a while ago. Uh, called humanity in the gray because I was so fixated on this gray area. I feel like that's been one of the biggest things that I've learned throughout all of this is life is not lived in the black and white and it becomes so turbulent if it is because we're trying to put everything in boxes and make sense of everything. Herpes does not make sense. You'll learn that real quick. <laughs> You'll be Googling and wanting the yes or no answers. Can I kiss someone? Do I have to tell it disclose before we just have one little kiss? You want the yes or no's, it's going to be hard. But so much of humanity is spent trying to learn and discover and understand and grow and in community, talking to people about what their lives are like and just sharing. So I'm all about that. And just to add to what you're saying, it's important for there to be lighthouses. So someone found me on positive singles. Like I was in pursuit of, I was trying to date. So uh -huh. found someone, started a conversation, and she just so happened to be involved in a secret Facebook group. And was like, hey, you want to be a part of this group? There's events uh -huh. and stuff like that. And I was like, sure, all right. And then I get in there, and it's like a whole hidden society of yeah. so many people who are really cool people, fun people, and people that I otherwise probably never would have met because I was in hiding and they're in hiding. So what are the chances of us crossing paths in real life? Probably right. really, really high. But at the same time, if no one, like if, uh -huh. just like you, if you didn't say I have herpes to that 160 people, those two people who came to you afterwards, you wouldn't have known that you were, you would have thought you were the only person in the room. So I think that it's important for us to be able to be there when we can be there as advocates for sex positivity, for just battling this, uh, what did you say? No shame? Is that what it is on your Instagram page? 
my Instagram page is uh, HSV positive shame negative. Shame negative, yeah. So we wanna <laughs> we wanna spread that shame negativity. <laughs> like we wanna get rid of that because I think that it does hinder the potential of relationships. If you're struggling with something in life, whether it be herpes, whether it be your job, whether it be your health, whether it be anything, anything. Why can't anything. we? capitalize on that opportunity to open up to someone and be like hey you know i'm struggling with this and then we give them the opportunity to say oh well i'm struggling with it i'm struggling with this and now that gives us an opportunity to deepen a connection that we've already had and since being positive and i'm sure you've experienced this as well but no one is giving me any negativity no one has shamed me no one has been like oh well that's why he's such a dick I mean, you can't be a dick and then, like, also be like, hey, everyone, I have herpes and I'm here to help you. It's like, you asshole, you were such a shitty person and now you have herpes too. So I think that that has a little bit to do with it. And it's just about the person you are. For sure. I mean, if you are in fear of someone shaming you, rejecting you, I think that those are the kinds of people that you probably don't need in your life. And I say that all the time and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, but there comes a time where you really recognize who your friends are. And if you believe that they would make fun of you for something like this, one, they probably don't know enough. And two, they're probably just not good people that you want in your life. I tell people often that, and it's hard to hear in the beginning, and if someone had told me this in the beginning, I would have been like, get out. But I tell people often that herpes teaches you something that you are needing to learn in your life, right? So for me, it was valuing my voice, knowing that my voice has a, has value and it's important and, and that I can use it in a way that is honoring to me and to others. And I've met other people who are like, I just had such low self-esteem beforehand, now this. And I was like, well, maybe this is something that's going to get you to work on your self-esteem and accept and have relationships that are more vulnerable and intimate than you would have been able to have before. And the same sort of thing, like, I've never felt like I could have a relationship or really connect with someone. This will increase your vulnerability if you allow it to. And that's going to get you to the like really strong, um, meaningful relationships that you want to have. So if you're open to it and looking for it from a different perspective, herpes can bring something positive to you. Oh, yeah. Something positive for positive people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with all of that. That's one of the things that herpes did for me when I began to pay attention to it, because it yep. took me five years to even think to look for a dating website for people with herpes or anything like that i was just in and out of relationships that i probably had no business being in for as long as i was but when it finally became an issue it was like man you know courtney doesn't like or know how to talk to girls all right that's not really true because (laughs) i got that that's just not the case and so when it finally came up it was like i have herpes and i really don't like having to have that conversation with people and once I was able to say it out loud and really get into it it was like all right well what else can I do here I realized the people who knew I had herpes I was a completely different person with them than I was around the people who didn't know so to the people who knew I was more myself I was more funny I was more of everything really and then to the people who didn't know I was more like reserved the freedom and peace that you have once people know it's amazing. The whole notion of quote unquote deep dark secret and this thing that like people can't find out and they can hold it over you in X, Y, and Z. When you give them all the ammo, you can just walk through life in this extremely liberating way. Yeah. Um, you left us with a lot of great things. One of the most important things that I think you said is that it took for you to get tired. 
that's something that we all can relate to. We all get tired. We get tired of hiding. We get tired of having to disclose. We get tired of wondering when we're going to find someone who likes us. And I have my opinion about that as well. Like we should first find out if we like them really we don't want to be with somebody who just likes us we don't want to be with somebody because they like us we want to be with somebody who we like as well getting tired and using that discomfort that fear as motivation to get you to that place of freedom of liberation where you were able to comfortably talk about it and talk openly about it and now i mean this is my personal experience but would you agree that you're more surprised now when people don't know you have herpes (laughs) I just walk around through life assuming every single person I come across knows. Um, And I know that's not true, but I've spoken about it so much. It's just all over everything. I'm just like, well, this is just what it is. Um, To add on to what you said about tired, I think it's most important that once you recognize that you're fed up with something, that you just get into action around it. Make a new choice. If you've been doing something the same and that's not working for you, make a new choice, create a new action, and just start there. You also included that you indulge in a hobby. You love singing. Mm-hmm. And so you And that's what to I use more. to meet people. And not for dating, but just to meet people, friends, and to like sort of bring myself back to life. I love that. For me, what that looked like was getting back into the gym, getting back yep. to working out, taking care of my health. It looked like reading. It looked like going out to Comic-Con. Like, I love dressing up and going to the Comic-Con conventions. I only went yeah. uh, a couple of times, but I just felt so alive when I was there, you know? And it's just those kinds of things just make me excited and really just light me up. And then the last thing was the fact that herpes highlights the real issue. So for herpes to be there and you're like, I've always been attracting this kind of guy and I have herpes. When you take out the, and I have herpes, I think you're left with what the real problem is. Because once you begin to address that, is herpes really the issue anymore? It still has its place, but now we're getting to a place of where we're able to really treat the disease rather than trying to point the finger at herpes as being the root cause of it when it's really just a symptom. Mm -hmm. And it it takes some time, right? And I don't say any of this to be like, skip your grieving process, skip your, you know, just allow yourself to have your emotions, you know, it's, it's important, but also take the time to get to know yourself again, you know, just as human beings in general, we get into autopilot of, I went to school for this, I have to do this job, I have to do this for my family, but take some time to get down to who it is you really are and what your fears are and what brings you joy um, and go from there. And all of us have such a similar need for the same process almost. If I were to just take out the meat and potatoes of all of these podcast interviews, I think that's what it would come down to. It would come down to self-acceptance, really digging down to see, okay, what is herpes highlighting for you? And then look at, okay, you're trying to meet people who have the same type of herpes as you. What about your interests? You might be with somebody just because you have the same type of herpes and you're dealing with a lot of shit that conflicts with your own personal values, beliefs, and you guys aren't even interested in the same things. Yeah. I do a lot of values work with my clients, like getting down to what is most important to them so they don't lose themselves in this thing. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to leave us with before I let you go, Dev? One of my favorite quotes, I can leave you with that, is uh, courage calls to courage everywhere. And so it's just taking the time to do that thing that you're afraid of, baby steps, whatever it looks like, and that's going to encourage someone somewhere. And you never know what it's going to look like. So keep that in mind, get into action, and stay courageous. And Devin, how can people find you? 
So I have a website, lovewithallen.com, and a lot of my coaching work uh, is there, videos and stuff, blogs. And then the group is there as well. And then on Instagram, it's lovealwaysdev, L-O-V-E. And then we have a Love With Allen Facebook page. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People with Devin Elise Wilson. I can be found on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Reddit, at H on my chest. On Facebook, we have the Something Positive for Positive People Facebook page. If you want to get there and like it, keep up with updates that are going on there. The YouTube channel just has random videos here and there giving you updated content in between episodes. And we also have that on IGTV. Please continue to like, rate, review, and share this podcast on your favorite podcast players. This is what's helping us get people like Devin on the show and get a lot more credibility for a lot of the medical professionals that we reach out to and sexual health organizations so that we can have them on the podcast and just continue to create useful resources and get these tools all in one place so that you don't have to look all over the place for them. Yes, it's so important. Till next time, stay positive.